Well, good morning, Church of the Valley. That wasn't bad. Well, uh, if you didn't notice, as she was uh, coming down, we were passing each other. I said, love you, to this uh, beautiful woman who was up here. Because if you don't know, that's my wife, and I'm very happy to be married to her. Spend 10 seconds with me and 10 seconds with her, you know I married up. And uh, the other thing I want to say about her, uh, which is not necessarily relevant to the sermon, but I'm the one preaching today, so I get to do this. Uh, tomorrow is Tanya's birthday, so if you uh, get a chance, wish her a happy birthday, send gift cards, credit card numbers, uh, blank checks, all those kinds of things. I am excited to be in the Word of God today. It is a privilege that we get to come to a place like this and gather together. And, and, and what I want to do to begin our time together is I want to tell you about some coffee mugs, so stick with me. Uh, one of the things uh, we do when we travel is I, I always look for either a coffee mug or a hat. Now, hats became a necessity after a while, but I also really like to collect them. And so we have many more coffee mugs uh, then we probably should, but the next time we travel, we're going to get another one at least. And, and so uh, earlier this week, I went to reach for uh, a coffee mug, and you may not be able to see from your seat, uh, but this coffee mug is an Inv Avengers Infinity War coffee mug. And so it's got all kinds of Marvel characters uh, around it, and I went to we reach for that coffee mug, and I kind of stopped because out of the corner of my eye, I saw this one, which... You probably can't read, especially if you're all in the back. If you can, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations. But it says, fearfully and wonderfully made. It's uh, based on Psalm 139, verse 14. For some re reason or another, maybe because I hadn't had my coffee yet, I woke up and just, you know, I stopped grabbing that Avengers cup and I grabbed the Psalm 139 cup. Just because on that given morning, I felt like I just needed that reminder. Now, to be completely honest with you, I really don't generally put that much thought into a coffee mug. And I'm not up here saying God came down from heaven and said, you must not drink from the marble cup, you must drink from the one with the Bible on it. Uh, uh, that is not at all what I'm saying. Uh, usually, it, it, it's just about how much coffee do I want and how much coffee will this one fit if the Broncos are playing and losing, generally I'm not drinking from that mug the next day, so generally on Mondays I didn't get to drink from that mug very much uh, recently in the last few years. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's just something I go through on a daily basis. Uh, which coffee mug am I going to use? Now, coffee mug choice is really not that big a deal. It, it, it probably in all reality isn't going to affect my day uh, on a daily basis at all. And by no means is it even close to the most important decision that I will make on any given day. In some ways, a passage like this feels like the decision behind which coffee mug to choose. Meh, may be our response. And maybe at the end we might go, oh, hey, uh, Abram and Sarah or Sarah and, and Lot, I, I know those three. Now this text is a, is a shortened genealogy. And really, a shortened genealogy means nothing to us if it's separated from its main purpose. And the purpose here, I'm going to tell you, I think is to introduce us to a part of God's redemptive plan in Abram. This passage is pointing us to the figurehead, uh, uh, Abram, the main character, if you will. And for us as Christians 
living in 2022, if you are in Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and even if you're not, we need to understand something. That, that we are heirs of Abram, or Abraham, as he will eventually be renamed. In fact, it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, to the church, to those who declare Jesus Christ as Lord, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Meaning, when we're introduced to a guy like Abram, who would eventually become Abraham, this is for us, church. And really, what I want us to see too here is this, that this is meant to show that we in Christ are part of God's greater family and lineage. So this is not just about Abram as he is right now. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw people to himself. But I gotta be completely honest. I didn't have the greatest reaction when I was first assigned this text. In fact, my face probably looked like the one on the screen when I first read this text. <laughs> Pastor Tim, in discussing the passage that I was gonna preach on this Sunday a couple weeks ago, actually laughed when he mentioned it. Because he knew this is not a text you just come to and go like, wow, this is coming alive and my life is gonna be different. But don't shy away from it. Don't turn away from it. This is still the word of God. And the amazing working hand of God here is that there is really more here within this text that I can even cover in one sermon. So I had to really step back and sift through uh, some bigger ideas on what this passage might be pointing us to as Christians, or if you're not in Christ, in reading what might seem to be kind of a glare-worthy passage if you're assigned to teach it or preach it. Because again, in June of 2022, here is another truth for us, church. Galatians, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If this is true, and I believe that it is, then it's not just talking about 2 Timothy 3.16 and the New Testament passages and even Old Testament passages that might grab us, but it's true about Genesis chapter 11, verses 10 through 32. So I want us to think this, of this in light of something very particular. This means something to us if we've received Jesus Christ as Lord. I want you to look at Luke chapter 3, verses 34 and 35 with me. Now, if you don't know, or you just, this isn't the, you know, one passage in the Bible that you have memorized, but you have the rest of the Bible memorized. In Luke chapter 3, what we're getting is a, a family line, a lineage of Jesus Christ. And, and so, in, in like verses 23 to 38, we, we get a, a lineage and we get it uh, in, in part, what I'm going to give to you is verses 34 and 35. Uh, this is a reference to, it's saying Judah prior to what it says right here. So when it says the son of Jacob, it's saying Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, 
the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, and the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech. Do those names sound familiar? Because we just covered them. And they were read beautifully. Much better than I could do it. That's awesome. And so we see this, this lineage of Jesus traced back to Abraham, and we see this promise being introduced to us. And just for your reference, if you want a little bit more detail, you can go to 1 Chronicles 1. That's not going to be up here, but Chronicles has a lot more names thrown in there. But let's go back to our text in Genesis chapter 11, uh, reading once again in verses 10 through 11. This is the account of Shem's family line. Two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of Arphaxad. And after he became the father of Arphaxad, Shem lived 500 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, notice it says two years after the flood. I'm not going to belabor this point other than to say this is just kind of giving us an idea of how this relates to the flood that happened. But I am going to ask you real quick, what was the purpose of the flood? So I'm not going to bring a microphone to you. I'm just, I'm like, I'm literally asking you to participate. What is the purpose? What was the purpose of the flood? Louder. To clean. To clean what? Sin. Right. So, so really, actually just a couple weeks ago, our pastor Mike Miller said this. It's a reboot, but the flood really... It, the flood reboot of mankind, what it restarts is not a, a fully clean people, right? It actually restarts the cycle of sin. And so even though sin had become so great that God said, look, they can't even think a good thought. It's only wicked continually. Uh, there's going to be a reboot, a restart, but really it just restarts. They're finding new ways to sin, right? We say that about our kids sometimes right? Am I the only parent in here that says that? No, no. Did your kid decide that it was a good idea to pee in his trash can in his room last week? Because that's what mine did. Not Matthew, by the way. <laughs> they just find new ways, right? Some things, if you're not parents yet, but you're hoping to be, that's what you got to look forward to. Make sure it's waterproof. Anyway, uh, so I'm sorry, talking about flood, water, and then I get into a trash can. Okay, so anyway, uh, there, there it is. It just restarts. Uh, we see a reference to the flood. We get a glimpse into the timeline and how that is taking place. But the purpose of the flood, we know, like, it's really bad. But even this mention of the flood is in the shadow of the promise that we see in Abram. So, so we get the bad mentioned here, but then we're pointed to the good. Not just the good, but the great. Because remember, the purpose here is to introduce us to a part of God's redemptive plan in Abram. Remember Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So this is meant to show us that in Christ we are part of God's greater family and lineage. This is not just about an introduction to Abram. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself. Always had a plan. Even though 
They sinned really early on. It, it came about. It got bad. We get all these characters, and they're doing all kinds of these knucklehead kind of things. God's saying, look, I've got a plan. It, it's it's, it's going to work out, not because of you, but because of what it means for you in Jesus Christ. We get this genealogy in Luke chapter 3. Uh, we get this sort of introduction of the, the, the Semites in Genesis chapter 10, verses 21 to 32, that, that Mike covered in a really great way a couple weeks ago. And that provides you with a little bit more details of the lineage of Jesus, uh, but the lineage, I'm sorry, uh, leading up to Jesus. And I'm not going to go too far into that, but I really recommend, like, if you didn't get a chance to, to be here present for that sermon, you can always go back on our website and, and look that up. It's, it's, it's just, it was done really well. And so I really encourage you to do that. But let's get back in our text. Genesis chapter 11, verses 12. Really, I'm going to read through verse 14. I'm just not going to read all of these names, partly because I don't want to, and I'm up here and I don't have to. So here we go. Genesis chapter 11, uh, verses 12 through 14. When Arphaxad had lived 35 years, he became the father of Shelah. And after he became the father of Shelah, Arphaxad lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters. When he had lived 30 years, he became the father of Eber. After he became the father of Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and had other sons and daughters, and so on and so on and so on and so on and so on. Now, if you were alive today and you saw that list and you were one of those other sons and daughters, you might be offended by this, right? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. These are all the middle children that get ignored, Right? I'm sorry. I, I'm a middle child, kind of, so I know what it feels like. I'm one of five, so I know, like, hey, hi, I'm here. So, but I was the good son. Anyway, uh, so, man, bunny trails today. Coffee was strong. <laughs> the reason we're not given the other names is because that's not the point. We, we don't need those other names. In fact, First Chronicles 1, Genesis 10, like, we're given much more information. But we have these big names that, in, in many cases, like, we really don't hear from these characters again. Other than to say, look, this person begat this person and had lots of other people. This person begat this person and had lots of other people. But we can tie them to the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaking to the reality that Jesus was and is God, but also came as a man. One of the great paradoxes of our day is explaining, yes, he's God and he's man. Well, which one is he more? yes. He is both when he came to earth. So when we see these names, we have to read them in light of what God is also communicating to us in the New Testament, saying, we are heirs. Anybody grow up in church singing Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. Yeah, see, if you don't know, Google it. It'll be stuck in your head for a year. You're welcome. Well, I sang that growing up in church, but part of what that is communicating to us as Christians, those who've said, Jesus Christ, yes, he is Lord, he did come to earth, he did die on the cross for our sins after living a perfect life, but then he rose again, he resurrected, and he's ascended on high, he's reigning on high, our Savior lives, meaning that that promise given to Abram and Abraham that's going to be covered in the next few weeks and months is meant for us as well. But it also speaks to the reality that we can't just be like New Testament people if we're in Christ. So I grew up in some circles that we'd have pastors or professors. We, we, we'd talk about, well, I, I come across people and they're like, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. 
I'm New Testament. I don't need to read the Old Testament. And, and most people aren't that way. But some, some are. And, and, and some of that is, well, well, well Christ is, is fulfilled in the New Testament, so I don't, I don't really need the Old Testament, especially if I go to Chronicles or Leviticus and all those rules and stuff that, that aren't necessarily applicable, or, or at least I think aren't applicable to me. And, and so what do I need that for? But, but listen, we cannot understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. Does anybody know what Jesus most often quoted in the Old Testament? Deuteronomy. And so, really, uh, we have to be people of the whole Bible. And as we, as we see the whole Bible, we have to constantly correct ourselves and make sure that we are not just people about the Bible, but people primarily about the gospel in the Bible. And that's our purpose at Church of the Valley. We want to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ primarily in everything we say and do. Whether it's Laura, Rebecca, and Moises leading us on a Sunday, or it's Malik leading us on a Sunday, whether you're serving in tech, Sean, David, Robin, whether you're serving in children's ministry, you're serving in youth, we're going to anything, uh, we're attending anything, we want it to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we look at a text like this, we see that this is not just about an introduction to Abram. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself. So when God says, Abram and all of these people, he's saying, pay attention, church. And we know that as we get in the word of God and we see all the things surrounding and we're going to hear from our pastor Tim next week and we're going to see kind of more of the details of the call of Abram. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 11 and verses 26 and 27. After Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Now, if you're paying attention, and I know I'm so captivating, so you probably are, there's a shift here. So what we got initially was he gave birth to this person and lots of other people who are being ignored in this text. Because again, that's not the purpose. He gave birth to this. And then all of a sudden we get details that we weren't getting before. It wasn't just, hey, uh, Terah, he lived 70 years, he became a father of lots of sons and daughters. It's these specific names. Whenever there's a shift in Scripture, you need to stop or be paying attention, attention close enough to go, why is this the way it is? All of a sudden, the game plan has changed. Terah is Abram's father. Now, later, we most know him as Abraham, but he's not yet been renamed. So, spoiler alert, he gets renamed. He's going to eventually be renamed Abraham, which translated means father of a multitude. And so, depending on which translation you read from, whether it's ESV, NIV, New American Standard, whatever it is, it's going to say it a little bit differently. It means the same thing. It means he's going to have a lot of children. But it's not just talking about his physical children. It's talking about us, remember. 
And here's this character that's being introduced to us. But remember, it's not just about an introduction of Abram. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself. Don't forget Galatians 3.29. We are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And if this is meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself, then in 2022, I just want to remind you, church, or inform you that you have an opportunity, a privilege to introduce others to God's redemptive plan. We did the compelled training recently as a church. And, and if you didn't attend, maybe you have done that in the past. And if you didn't attend, I'm not up here to beat you over the head with that. But I simply want to share something that has stuck with me since we've done that training. We've gone over this uh, time and time again. We've been asked, like, what most stuck with you? And one of the things that stuck with me that Tim said is that it is a privilege to share the gospel. Like, it is a privilege to talk about Jesus Christ. We treat it as an obligation at times, or we think about it and like something inside of us wants to vomit because it terrifies us that we're going to have some sort of negative reaction, we're going to lose a friendship, whatever it is, and those things have certainly happened over time, but folks, it is an honor to talk about Jesus Christ. It is an honor to introduce, a privilege to introduce others to God's redemptive plan that is in part being revealed by us just getting introduced to these characters here, such as Abram and such as Lot. Now, Lot is going to be talked about, I can't help it, a lot later. I, I just, I couldn't, I'm sorry, Mike, I just could not help myself. Door was wide open. But Lot's not a throwaway character any, either, right? Lot's not... Person number two walking on the sidewalk in the end credits of the movie, right? Have you ever seen that? Like, like, good for that person that they got in the movie, but they don't even get a name, right? Like, this is not Robbie, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. Uh, this is like uh, person number two walking on the sidewalk. No, the lot's kind of a big deal. We, we see that God's plan of developing his people later in Genesis, like this is, this is big. And, and we also see this, this huge scenario that that's honestly has been trending recently in Sodom and Gomorrah. If you're on Twitter, there's this thing called trending. It's like, what are people talking about nowadays? And just last week, Sodom and Gomorrah was trending. Now, that's a, that's a difficult passage to deal with. That's a hotly debated passage of those outside of the church and those within the church. Like, what is really happening there? I'm not going to get a ton into that today, but just to know, like, Lot's not a minor character in God's redemptive plan. He's a big deal. But that plan for us in 2022 is to show us, God's showing us these names, introducing us to these people to show us his redemptive plan. He is not insignificant. None of these people are. I'd like to show you another picture. Aww. That's the best one I could get because our dog, Stella, if you have somebody in your family named Stella, that's nothing personal. Um, that wasn't a knock on you or anything like that. Uh, she's a puppy. Uh, she is almost six months old. She's a German Shepherd mix, and uh, she has a lot of energy, right? 
Uh, and so uh, one of the things that we've been working on with her recently is uh, leash training. So she was a rescue, so part of the rescue plan was to be able to uh, go back and have puppy classes with her so that she's not completely insane, just mostly insane all the time. <laughs> and so if you've ever walked a dog and, and they're excited, most dogs like going on walks, some, some get pushed in strollers, but that's okay. Um, we're not going to talk about that. That's all right. Some dogs can't, can't walk anymore, and that's fine. I'm not speaking against that. Um, if they like walks, what, what happens when they're on the leash and the second you open the door? Boom! And if it's a small dog, Moises and Janet, it's not that bad. She's not six months and not full grown. So if you next week see me not lifting my arm, it's because it has been pulled out of socket because she goes straight to the end of the leash. And so one of the things in that that we're training her to do is to not do that. And so in the classes, the instructor said, you, you can if you want to, it's a little bit harder, but you, you can have the dog eventually learn how to just walk next to you even on a leash. And I've seen people do that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. But for us, our training is that she doesn't always run to the end of the leash, but she starts to walk next to us. So there's lots of ways uh, that we train Stella to do that, and she's not there yet. But the other day while I was walking her, she was doing so good. I was like so proud of her. And I love dogs, and so I'm like bragging on her right now. And I could, if I'm not careful, spend the rest of the time talking about that. Um, and, and so I'd even see her like get to the end of the leash, and then she'd slow down. Because she's like, I don't want to do that. Because if you get to the end of the leash, the idea is you just stop and not let the dog walk. And a puppy that's still is completely bored out of its mind immediately. Now what happened is we got all the way around, and we got in front of a house of our really sweet neighbor, uh, Solo Dad, who my wife first met with the kids, and then I met as well. And we're close enough to home that our dog knows it, and her training is like out the door, window, whatever you want to call it, kennel. And it's like two steps and stop, one step and stop, two steps, and stop, like, like, and then we get around the corner, and she's within 15 feet of the house, and it's like, why am I even trying, you know? Because it's just constant. It's just constant. At that point, she's, she's really forgotten her training, she's forgotten the point, and she's, she just wants to go. Folks, we are the dog. I am the dog. We, we get so caught up in so many things that we forget the point and the purpose of a text like this or, or why we're supposed to live or why we're supposed to do church in the first place. We get so messed up sometimes, so disrupted, so distracted, that we begin to lose sight of the most important thing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ that has and can redeem us. And that is the gospel that this passage is pointing us forward to. Because remember, this is not just an introduction to Abram. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself in the gospel. The danger for us at Church of the Valley is that we could or have or will do a lot of good things that don't focus on the ultimate thing, which is Jesus Christ in the gospel. Genesis chapter 11 in verses 28 to 30. 
while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, father of both Milcah and Ishkah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. There's some things in here that are difficult, and I want to, I want to address those, but I want to at least first show you kind of where this is. There's a map that will appear on the screen. So we see these characters. Uh, here's kind of where they went, and here's kind of where they ended up. And if you'll see, kind of down to the right where you see Babylonia in big, big words, big capital bold, and then right below it there's Ur. So Ur is an area that is 186 miles southeast of modern Baghdad. So just if you're kind of into geography and stuff like that, I just want you to understand that not only here's what this is talking about, but these are actual places. So the Bible's not just high and lofty and information of places that don't exist, uh, because some religions do that, but these are actual places, and there's actually historical evidence to back all this kind of stuff up. So that's kind of where they are at this point. And I also just want to point out, as we're getting more detail from the text in this section, it, it, it introduces Sarah, or Sarai, depending on how you pronounce this, which isn't really necessarily relevant to this, but just to say that it introduces her and says, she's childless, she's not able to conceive. This is setting up something that is miraculous that would happen later but I think it's interesting that it at least in part introduces us to her and says, here's a struggle that she has, which is a struggle that many have. Not everybody is going to get an Isaac. Like the inability to conceive for some women is tragic because it is a God-given desire and we live in a, a world riddled with sin. And the reality is that that sin has affected us to the point to where although women are designed and built originally to be able to do it, there are some women who can't. And so I just want you to hear me now. You may be sitting here hearing this and knowing this and having struggled through this. I just want you to say, I'm sorry. God loves you and God sees you. And although that is a difficult, difficult struggle, God has a plan to one day make all things new and make all things right. But in the midst of that, you have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to point to and look at God's ultimate redemption found in Jesus Christ alone. She's not able to conceive Spoiler alert, she would eventually be able to conceive, but only by the power of God. But even in that conception, that's not just meant for Abraham and Sarah as they are renamed, but it's pointing forward to the gospel, and it's pointing us back to the reality that God is drawing us to himself. In this list, this family lineage, the Lord decided it would be necessary to insert this. But even as he inserts this, he points us to God's greater redemptive plan. It's not just an introduction to Abram. It's not just an introduction to Sarai. It's to 
reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw us to himself. Verses 31 and 32. Terah took his son Abraham, or Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, if you'll pull that map up one more time. Okay, so you see the root. So there's Ur down here, or down here, depending on which side of the room you're on. It, it, there's kind of arrows pointing up and moving up to Haran. And so just little details, uh, a person and a place. Two R's, one R. So there's a person inserted there, uh, and then there's a place, and that's kind of where they traveled to and where they ended up. Um, what we know about that place is it's a, it, it was a crossroad for trade, and it was an important commercial center at the time. Um, and so we just kind of have some information based on that, uh, that, that. That's kind of the significance of that area. And then we see Terah is, uh, passes in this area. And then next week, we're gonna, what we're going to see is we're going to see Abram kind of come front and center uh, with some other characters that are mentioned here. And, and we're just going to see God's greater redemptive plan. Because remember, it's not just about introducing us to Abram. It's meant to reveal to us that God has always had a plan to draw people to himself. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And we're going to close here in just a moment. But as they come up, I want to share something with you. Um, Go ahead and come on up. Sorry if you heard me slurp. We, we, you know, we've walked this journey of us being led to a place of being introduced to some pretty big names. Um, and, and so we see some significance in these names. And, and here's some significance I want to read to you. Um, and the Archaeological Study Bible had some notes on this particular text. And it said this. In the biblical world, genealogies were an important way for people to determine bloodlines and define social and economic relationships. A person's genealogical address served as their primary marker of identity. A typical first inquiry between strangers would likely not be, what's your name? But rather, listen to this, to whom do you belong? That's what this text is asking us today. If it's part of God's greater redemptive plan, in Jesus Christ, then you need to ask yourself, to whom do you belong? And in our context, we would ask you, do you belong to Jesus Christ? Well, how do you know that? How do you know you belong to Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, is ascended on high and is reigning and ruling and is one day going to return. But if you've never thought about those things, well, what are you interested in? Not just what team, where are you going to go on vacation, and those things are not bad in and of, in and of themselves, but like, do you, are you excited to get in the Word of God? Do you have any interest in that? Well, 
how do you how do you spend your money? And this is not a sermon to say, hey, give us more, but like like think about like where do your resources go? Do you come here on Sundays because you feel like you should? Or because you're like really excited to join with God's people? Let's pray. Before we pray, I just want to encourage you, like, allow God to search your heart. Like, do you truly believe, like, what Romans 10, 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised from the dead. It says, if you do that, you are saved. If you never have any inclination in your heart to say, I want to read the Bible, I want to, I want to, I want to sing to God, I want, I want to at least understand it better, and, and what all that means it's possible you're not in Christ. It's possible you just had a bad day or a bad week. But, but even in this text, God is saying to you, I want to redeem you. I had a plan from the very beginning, and that plan is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us as we dig into this further throughout the week to understand your plan for our lives. I pray that you would draw people here to yourself who may not know you as Lord and Savior. And may you be honored, God, as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.